0: Welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism to find the common ground that brings us together. I'm
1: Sense. And I'm Theory. And today, boy, we got an episode for y'all. Today, we're going to be tackling the recent controversy that's been swirling around immigration in this country. And I'm really excited to do this episode because I'm not. (laughs) Well, I think that this issue... Maybe more so than anything that has happened, uh, perfectly illustrates why why our current situation is untenable. Mm-hmm. Like like what we have coming out of the White House, what we have coming out of the media, the way that people are handling this on, yeah, so the on team social media
0: aspect, like of it's politics. it's all there.
1: It's all there. So, and that's exactly why I'm
0: not excited about talking about it <laughs> because not only is it an incredibly complicated issue that we've had yeah. trouble uh, finding agreement on it for, for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but in light of, of all those other complications on the surface between yeah. people, it makes it really hard to discuss. I've gotten into conversations on Facebook where I've been called a bootlicker and a Nazi, yeah. um, you know, because I dared, uh, feel like
1: we should have addressed this problem, uh, in another way. Right. And, and, and so that's the thing is like this, this tone and tenor that we have, there are very complex, like legal issues with this story. And you, you can't, you can't see stuff like that anymore in, in our, in the way we discuss politics and stuff in this country, you can't, you can't get into like legalese and stuff. We're too busy at each other's throats. Right. So another thing that I I wanted to make clear, like right before, you know, we jump into the story is that you and I both full stop right here oppose the practice of separating families that's right
0: board. yeah i don't and, think there's anything in the world aside from arresting uh, a criminal and putting them in jail and having to separate the kids because the parents are in jail there's yeah. no reason we should be separating kids
1: yeah other than those like you know obvious circumstances or if you think uh, you think the kids are being trafficked and that's not really their mom sure sure but outside of that there is no circumstance where either you or i support it And And especially not as a, as a deterrent or a punitive (laughs) measure. Right. So I don't want anything that happens today because we do have to, we have to talk about why it's happening, you know, what led to it happening, you know, what's really happening and all that stuff. Don't let any of that distract you from the fact that that practice needs to stop full stop today. Yeah. Agreed. So what has happened? Well, if you've been watching, you know, TV or been on the internet or, you know, crawled out from under a rock for 30 seconds over the last two weeks you know that the Trump administration is sending children to concentration camps. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're ripping <laughs> children from the arms of their parents and disappearing them into the night yeah. uh, at the stroke of a pen by Mr. Sessions.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, puts out a memo. Uh, this is back in April, I think. And it says that the Trump administration policy is that we have a zero-tolerance policy for illegal border crossings. And whether you're asking for asylum or not... Which is an important distinction. Uh, you are going to be prosecuted uh, to the full extent of the law. Right. Well, if you prosecute uh, an adult who has children with them, the adult goes to jail, and by law, you can't send the children to jail. So you then have to separate them and uh, you know uh, put them in another place. They get a different status. They become an yeah, unaccompanied, unaccompanied minor.
0: Yeah. And and that's and that's why you see people saying that this was a policy of, you know, separation of families. Right, right. So cuz the end result is that if you if you prosecute a, a a parent who has children with them, yeah. that is seeking asylum, they become a criminal,
1: therefore you must
0: separate. Yeah, them.
1: you you had to know when you instituted that policy that that's what logically follows. Well, especially since Obama dealt with this in his in his administration, yeah. this oh, isn't well, a new Well, hell, it go, it goes back to Bush. I mean, this is something that we've had the ability to do you know, uh, for years and Bush, uh, supposedly took a zero tolerance policy at the border, right? Like same as, uh, they instituted, um, all these quick rapid fire, almost like factory courts to process asylum cases. And they were going to send people back, you know, as quickly as they possibly could deport them. Uh, but he never separated families. And then, so same thing with Obama, Obama again, took a hard line for people crossing the border illegally, but when push came to shove and, you know, laws would require that the children be separated, he ultimately did not choose to take that tact. So, so,
0: so why did the Trump administration
1: um, come this far? Well, there's, there's three main reasons, and, and each one of them gets really complicated. So that's what makes all this so tough. The first reason is asking for asylum at the border creates this loophole in U.S. law, especially if you have children with you. So as you go to cross the border illegally, uh, if you say I'm here requesting asylum because the conditions in my home country are dangerous, I feel like my life is in danger, you know, please take me in. uh, We have to give you an asylum hearing. So if you have children with you, there's this case from 1997 that governs how we hold uh, children in immigration proceedings called the Flores case. Now, interestingly enough, as a side note, this case was never resolved. It's actually like a pending case. Really? But the U.S. government and the Flores side of the case reached an agreement that's called a consent decree that establishes guidelines that the government has to operate under until the case is resolved. Right. And this is where we get
0: uh, the stipulation that, yes, you can detain children, but only for 20 days. Right. After that 20 days, they must be released. So Right. Um, what ends up happening, at least what ended up happening under Obama, uh, asylum seekers would cross the border illegally. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would get caught by border patrol, mm-hmm. say they're requesting asylum. Mm-hmm. And the Obama policy was not to prosecute for the illegal border crossing mm-hmm. to give them their asylum hearing and release them into the interior of the country. Right. Um, and-
1: pending, <laughs> pending their asylum hearing. Yeah. And hope that they showed up for that asylum hearing
0: which I think I've heard numbers as low as forty percent that yeah. showed back up for asylum hearings. So you had sixty percent of folks who entered the country
1: illegally, uh requested asylum and then disappeared. It what ended up happening, it varies uh year to year. So for instance, I believe it was 2015 that um it was actually they only had forty percent of people return for their court cases. But then interestingly enough, I saw in 2016 that that something like only 38% didn't show back up. Okay. So, you know, it it varies all over the place. I also saw a stat that I did not have time to verify before the episode, but they were like, you know, uh, the overwhelming majority of family cases uh, showed back up to court. Okay. So, I mean, you know, those are things that are important to note, but at the same time, there's all sorts of things going on in Mexico and in Central uh, America in regards to child trafficking and gangs and whatnot that really would cause us to want to scrutinize who sure, exactly is that, coming across that absolutely
0: ne- necessitates some care right um and deliberation when when you're talking about people crossing the border we do have like you said we've got uh child sex slavery going on um mm-hmm. we've got drugs coming across the border that's not to use that as a as a scare tactic because I'm Frankly, I don't think those problems are are huge
1: problems, and I think we right. can
0: address most of them in other ways. Right. Um. But it's it's a fact that we have to grapple with.
1: Well, it's and more importantly, what I what I'm trying to say here is it's something that you especially need to con- take into consideration before you start releasing people who may be involved in that into the middle of your country. Sure. Right. I mean, like it becomes a little bit more important when that's the stakes we're talking about. Sure. So so this uh, the
0: Flores case and 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 the cons- consent decree. And the release of the family in 20 days, essentially, we're talking about what people are calling the catch and release policy. Right. Um, that that has been in place, you know, in previous administrations. Um I, I would ask why why release them back into the country? Mm-hmm. Why not just send them back over to the other side of the border to Mexico pending their asylum here?
1: Well, you can't do that. So recently, and one of the things that the Obama administration in particular had to deal with is we're seeing a huge upsurge in the amount of immigrants coming from Central America. And if you're coming from Guatemala or Colombia or anywhere down there... We can't send you back to Mexico. You have to be sent back to the Mexico's going like, ah, they're not our citizens, not our problem. Yeah, you can't just go to Mexico and be like, here, take these people. You know, you have well, to send you have to deport them back to their home country.
0: I feel like there should be some gray area there for one, because if they came through Mexico, Mexico has fairly strict immigration laws. They should that they should be upholding. Right. Um, so I feel like they do bear you know some responsibility there. And in fact, Obama took um Took that idea and and put pressure on the Mexican government, and also gave them money to kind of curtail, uh, you know, the unaccompanied minors that were that were riding on the top of their main train line all the way up here. Spent money on enforcement in Mexico to keep those kids from from ever reaching the border. Yeah, you know, and yeah. kind of stop
1: the tide, uh, within Mexico. I feel like that that shouldn't be off the table. Well, so you have a point in that if we had Mexico in a state where they were willing to work with us, uh, they're not, uh, with Trump in office. <laughs> I mean, just straight up, they're not. Touche. And Touché. And if we were willing to pay them, you know, mm-hmm. in effect, he, he did give them a lot of cash, then they may be willing to help in some ways. However, I'm saying, like, wholesale, uh, we could never legally institute a policy of people from Guatemala are going to be placed back into Mexico peering their, pending their asylum. Right, without some kind of partnership with Mexico. Right. Some kind of give and, and take. And you actually in in the case of like Mexican immigrants, uh, you have a you know, you have a little bit stronger case that, you know, you can just deport them. But I I want you to think, consider for a moment that, you know, someone crosses the border illegally and that you're not going to do anything. You're not you're not going to do anything but deport them back into Mexico. Why not just try again? You know, <laughs> well, maybe this I mean, time the, they're the not going to get caught.
0: It's not easy. I mean, you got, you got coyotes, you got the threat of rape, you got deserts, you got short supplies and, you know, little,
1: whatever water you can carry and poisonous
0: snakes and shit. So that's, that's a deterrent yeah. in itself. kind of. Well,
1: it, it is, it is an arduous journey. And that's something that I, th- I think we're going to talk more about here in just a minute, but uh, they're willing to make it, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously it's being made. So the journey's not impeding progress too much. I- I'm just saying like. So it it gets into the second reason why, you know, Trump, at least ostensibly instituted this policy, and that is to create a deterrent, as it were. It's to discourage people from attempting to use that loophole to gain entry into the country. It's saying, you know, even to the extent of you're going to have your family separated, but you are going to be prosecuted. And if word gets out, they're hoping that immigration will stop to to support that, for instance. Uh, immigration, illegal immigration, it hit like an all time low uh, towards the end of the Obama administration, and then Trump got elected, and you know Trump his rhetoric throughout the campaign, and it bottomed out. Absolutely, like Ill- illegal immigration bottomed out. You know, sure.
0: And we, and I think there's, I think there's some. Uh, it is effective to use criminal punishment as a deterrent. That's why we do it. Right. Um, the problem here is that when that deterrent also results in separation of families and let's be clear, um, you take an eight year old kid from his mother, uh, mm-hmm. at the border and he has no idea what's going on. Um, that can cause lasting psychological harm. So you're actually, you're causing harm to the kids Right. and the kids didn't decide to come. They're not the criminals. They're just being dragged along with their parents. So, um, if, if it were just the if it was a zero tolerance policy, um, and no kids were involved, like, mm-hmm. I don't really have a problem with using that as a deterrent. The problem is when the, when the kids
1: get into the equation, it muddies the waters. It makes things, yeah. it makes things kind of disgusting and gross. Well, I think, I think it muddies the waters both ways though, too, because by not doing anything, we're incentivizing, uh, bringing children Are mm-hmm. we not, you know? So, I mean, so we've no, no, talked no, that's, about
0: that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. If, if you're home free, uh, when you have kids in tow um why would you go to a, a legal border crossing and wait in line and wait for your hearing and all these things when you know you can just walk across the border find a border agent, turn yourself in and you're home free inside the country mm-hmm. pending your amnesty hearing so yeah it incentivizes and it's kind of that's kind of gross too <laughs> because yeah. because what you're doing is incentivizing a terrifying, horrific
1: journey yeah that same journey that you were that, just referring to right yeah, you're yeah.
0: you're now saying well uh, it's much easier if you just take this terrible journey risk snakes and dehydration and and maybe rape of your kids and you know yeah. all the terrible things they tell us that happen on this on this these illegal border crossing journeys well
1: at a point you had you know you would have situations traditionally where say the father or the mother if she had the better you know chance would come to the country and then hopefully bring the rest of their family over. But like you say, now this creates a situation where I have a better chance to get in by bringing my family. So there is a very real like, uh, you know, uh, method of illegal immigration that we are penalizing and meanwhile lifting up this other method. You right. Know what I mean? that's, so. that's a
0: little weird. And I could even see it incentivizing. There's a lot of homeless kids in Mexico. Yeah. I could even see it incentivizing picking up a couple homeless kids on your way. And, and taking them in tow with you
1: and saying their family, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that happens a lot. Yeah. But, I don't think it's the majority of the case by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But right. I
0: think, I think it could happen. And, and that's not good either. You know, think about those kids. You got to think about all the angles here. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, not
1: just one. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, so it leaves us in this weird situation because I, I do feel like we have to have a way, a method of enforcing our border laws. But at the same time, I find the idea of family separation, as we've said, completely distasteful and a road that i'm I'm frankly not willing to walk down. So what do we do? You know that that that's what it starts to raise that question and while i can't um I can't necessarily agree with what Trump has done, I know that the tactic that he's using is an old school tactic, right? Like one of the, one of the ways that the executive has to leverage Congress sometimes is to enforce a broken law, Right, is to take a series of laws and, and, and by executing them to their fullest extent, as he is the chief of the executive branch, he has now exposed the flaw. And he's like, I'm going to keep doing this until you fix it. That is a valid strategy. However, (laughs) I don't know if it's a valid strategy here. It's not a valid
0: strategy when, when you're doing lasting harm to kids, you know, it's just, it's just not. So when you ask like, where do we go from here? um, I only see a couple options. Like we can not prosecute border crossings for families at all. Right. And create this, this wild incentive for people to just completely skip. The legal border crossing mm-hmm. uh or skip checking in at an embassy to uh to ask for asylum uh we can detain families together, you know parents and children mm-hmm. uh pending their their criminal charges at which point once the once the criminal charges are filed, you may separate them anyway if they're still looking at jail time, although I know we we talked about it and most of the time it's time served yeah. uh maybe a fine so uh right. you know maybe maybe that's the way to go um or we can do some terrible shit like uh like ripping well, families support. apart, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah no, well, I it, it feels that way, right? But I think there are other solutions. Um we just have to we we have to start looking to, you know, like I was saying, like Congress needs to get involved, in my opinion. So for instance, why can't um we institute a policy, at least to some extent, of using ankle bracelets on people that we're going to release into the interior of the country? Now, do I think we can effectively use ankle bracelets on you know 30,000 immigrants and more coming every week you well, know if, i i don't know i don't know if we can monitor it but so we take a ankle bracelet policy right and we also couple that with improving the process at the ports of entry so you know one of the arguments that's that's out there right now is people are saying well these asylum seekers are crossing illegally because they can't gain entry at the ports of entry they're being told to back away and we're acting, you know, at times we're acting like the U.S. is like keeping asylum seekers out. No, it's because they're overwhelmed. Right. And, and you know, so you just can't gain entry. So maybe improving that process and some of, you know, like what Bush was saying, like speeding up. The asylum process, adding more uh, centers and more employees and stuff. Sure. More judges to yeah. hear more cases right get through the docket faster. So I, I don't think that there is like, you know, under the current circumstances with Flores in place and with, you know, the the practice of asylum seeking, you know, happening and everything. There is no like single silver bullet policy that the executive can enact that's going to fix this. It's It's you really are like just in a mud hole it's going to take some comprehensive approaches from different angles to alleviate this problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we could start to find those comprehensive approaches from multiple angles. If we were having a nice civil discussion about <laughs> but it,
0: but that's not what's happened here. Surprise, let's, surprise. Just look at what happened. So of course, uh, when the chance presents itself to politicize a situation, mm. that's exactly what everyone does. You've got, uh, You've got the Trump administration lying out of the corner of their mouths. Yeah. You've got people on social media screaming uh, about the family separation issue. Um, you've got a senator who tried to visit uh, one of these detention centers and was turned away due to policy. Saying, "Well, they just wouldn't let me in. Yeah. They just turned me clean away." Uh, you know, Jeff Jeff Merkley uh, told CNN when my team called to request access to a shelter for immigrant children in Br- Brownsville, Texas. They were told it's the policy not to admit anyone into these centers and we would not be allowed to
1: enter it. Well, and actually come to find out that's not the policy. So immediately, uh, I think it was a Department of uh, Homeland uh, came back or it's Health and Human Services that runs the shelter and they said nah, we didn't tell him he couldn't come in our policy our long well established policy is that anybody who wants to come in so, you know makes a request and then it takes 2 weeks to process that request now it's a fair question why it takes two weeks? Why it takes two weeks yeah. to
0: prepare. They're like they're talking to all their people. Like, all right, stop abusing the kids. <laughs> uh, let's get out the good
1: blankets and the nice sheets. Hey, we got to do away with these concrete cots. Someone bring in the cots from the closet, like quick. Yeah, no, it, it definitely makes you wonder. But at the same time, like Jeff Merkley knew that. In fact, his uh, chief of staff. The next day, they called him out about it, and they were like, "Well, they said that they didn't tell you that at all." And he's and the chief of staff guy was like. Well, well, yeah, okay, they didn't, but you know, still, he's a U.S. senator, and he was trying. To, it's
0: like, well, you know, <laughs> nah, I mean, come U.S. On, man. senators don't get to just <laughs> magically trump policy, you know, yeah. just because you're a senator. It doesn't make sense, and I could see some legitimate reasons for a, for a policy of 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 waiting. You know, you're protecting kids, man. Right. There's there's kids in here. You want to make sure like nothing whoever's coming
1: in there is is. Okay to be in there.
0: Exactly. And a yeah. senator, man, maybe you know, he should be bumped to the front yeah. of the line, I yeah. feel like. They're, yeah, they're you, you give him a little
1: extra credit, but I mean he very much so I think they called uh it was twenty four or thirty-six hours ahead. So I mean it very much was him calling and saying, Hey, I'm a U.S. senator, let me in, and somebody just following policy. I yeah. mean, you know, that is their policy. They were yeah. like, No, you know. Yeah, you can't really fault him for it. We can talk about whether the policy should change. Yeah. Maybe
0: the policy should change. Right. But Jeff Merkley. Uh, saying one thing while the truth is the other is just just yeah. as bad as as you know Trump lying out of the side of his mouth.
1: Now that's not all Merkley had to say. He did see some things because I mean he still went down to the detention center and stomped his feet and made a big thing. And he he did still see some things. To read his quote, uh, he said, "When I was at the center at McAllen Border Station, uh, this is the processing center. Uh, I, I did see the people, hundreds of children locked up in cages there at the facility. They have big cages made out of fencing." and then wire and net stretched across the top of them so that people can't climb out of them. And, and
0: in order to detain someone, I think you need you need detainment measures, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, either you're detaining them or you're not. It, and and fencing, a lot of these a lot of these centers are temporary uh, you know, rushed shelters. So of course right. you're going to use chain link fencing. I mean, it
1: looks it makes for bad pictures. Yeah. Oh, um, well, it's funny you should bring that up <laughs> because not long after uh, Jeff Merkley said that uh, at some point on Twitter, uh, I know one person that was involved is John Favreau, who was actually a former Obama speechwriter and a couple others. They started spreading these pictures of these kids in these large caged in enclosures. And they were saying, "Look at these conditions. these are you know, it's terrible. Uh, we've got kids wrapped up in those those tin foil blankets that mm-hmm. you sometimes see firefighters giving people after Space fires blankets, stuff, yeah space blankets and uh, you know, and they're just just railing about it and actually, it turns out those <laughs> pictures were from the Obama era. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> those turn, were from back into 2014. yeah, so in 2014, like we said, there was a massive upsurge of unaccompanied minors. Uh, it actually it wasn't a situation where families were getting separated, but all of a sudden from Central America, this huge surge of children showed up at the border, and the Obama administration was overwhelmed. They established uh, family centers in Texas and Pennsylvania, and they were trying to you know cope with it as best they could. Popped
0: but- up these popped up these chain link fenced yep. enclosures to to hold these people and figure out what's going on. Yeah, because because and- it's either enforce the immigration policy. Or have open
1: borders, right? <laughs> and and the idea the idea behind the enclosures too is you've also got a bunch of kids. Maybe you know maybe some of them are like street kids. Maybe some, you know you don't know what you've got exactly. But should we really be putting you know seventeen year old boys with thirteen year old girls? So the 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 enclosures in part are to segregate boys and girls and separate age groups. Sure. You know, cuz you don't want uh let's for instance a 15-year-old boy punking an 8-year-old boy for his food every day. Right. So you try to keep them, you know, separated and segregated. There's And and you've got to and and let's be clear, if unaccompanied minors are showing up at the border,
0: it's irresponsible to simply release them into the country by themselves. Right. Uh, they have no means of, of working. They have no means of, of getting shelter yeah. or food. So so instead we've got to work to place them with agencies well, to what, what happened- help the kids. And you've got like the Catholic Church who runs a lot of these uh, these placement facilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there there is this period of time where they must
1: be quote unquote detained. Yeah. Um, in order to figure out what to do and how to help them. Well, that according to Flores, right, to go back to that. You're supposed to place the child uh, with either a parent, if you can find them, if they're already in the United States, a family member, or then a family member, like you go down the list or then you find a willing recipient. Well, that takes time. And that was actually one of the things that the Obama administration ran up against is again, Flores says that you can only hold children for 20 days. So they had to do something. They had to get them out of the immigration system and into a different system within 20 days. And that's kind of how this office of refugee resettlement and, you know, it's under health and human services. And then also the private institutions like the Catholic church and stuff. That's how all these things came to be is, you know, again, trying to cope with that 20 day rule, which is really hamstringing us in the, the face
0: of an overwhelming number of kids who are climbing on top of a train in Southern Mexico and, right. and riding it to to Mexico's Northern border to, to enter America. You yeah, know, this was yeah. a, this was a totally unexpected swath of people coming. So right. it, it all had to happen quickly.
1: Yeah. And another, another side note to the picture deal, there was one particular picture that went around that showed a small boy crying in what looked like uh, something more akin to a dog kennel. I mean, it wasn't quite you know a kennel, but it was, it was a very small hard barred cage
0: no i think that's the one we all saw across
1: all you know all
0: walks of social media it was shared on facebook and twitter um that's the one that really drove the outrage and that picture was actually from a protest right um where that little boy was part of the protest and if you see the larger image that's not been cropped to just show the little boy you see uh adults holding signs
1: in that self-same kennel with yeah. that boy. Yeah, well, there's a, there's, some, uh, there's 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 some a picture, too, before he actually gets into the cage, and there's kids in there, but they're holding the signs and everything. And they said that the reason the little boy was crying, his mom was on the other side of the cage and he couldn't get there. He wasn't supposed to be back. He kind of wandered back into that cage. Yeah, and, you know? and that, to me,
0: um, that's not doing anyone favors. No. Because what happens when we share these things and we try to paint the Trump administration as the bad guy, but you're sharing pictures... Uh, to drive that outrage of the mm-hmm. Obama administration, you've right. just muddied the waters. You've given your enemy, quote unquote, ammunition to go. Well, hey guys, yeah, this ain't Trump; it's yeah. Obama. So I think if you do believe that that this is a Trump thing, mm-hmm. um, and this is his administration uh, hating brown people, I think you've got to be really careful about how you approach and lay that out. Yeah. At the risk of, of
1: completely losing your case. Yeah. Because you start to erode your own argument and, and actually, I uh, you know, you know, we're big fans of like Snopes and PolitiFact here on the show. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, you know, I found it interesting that that picture of that little boy in the cage, uh, with what we just explained to you, how would you categorize, uh, the truth of the claim that that picture is of a little boy who's being held in a cage, by the Trump immigra- uh, immigration situation right now. What does Snopes do? Absolutely false? Yeah, the- yeah. I would call it absolutely <laughs> false, right? Uh, they said that the picture was miscaptioned. <laughs> Misca- well, like, in, in what terms is it miscaptioned? So when people say, I don't believe Snopes, and I don't believe PolitiFact, it's because of stuff like it's that. It's because of stuff like There's this. There's no yeah. reason to call that miscaption. There's
0: no reason to, other unless you're just slanting for... for- the democratic You're machine. softening the blow. You're softening that's, that's the blow idea. for the democratic media machine. I'll tell that's, you what's
1: I'll tell you what's a valid question is that now uh you know we've we've gone a little bit further and now uh DHS you know there's all these senators and representatives that want to go visit these facilities and see exactly what's going on. And they should. And they they absolutely <laughs> should. And they're saying hey you know we got that two week policy but you're more than welcome to. However, you cannot take pictures. Now see instead of putting up fake pictures for you know or pictures from the Obama administration my question would be how come we can't get any pictures right now of the insides of these well, facilities I
0: think you've got to I think you've got to look at it I mean they're kids mm-hmm. um you know it's I I see it very similar as a policy like you have to sign a release form uh for pictures taken at school yeah. you know yeah. for your kids at to be photographed po- at school right yeah. so at yeah. some point there's a line of of protection for these kids right and yeah. and Who knows what they're running from, where they came from, and plastering their photos across newspapers may very well tip off people who want to find them. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there's a very real danger to deal with there, although I feel like the American public also deserves to know exactly what's going on in these facilities so we can address it to our constituents. and
1: And I agree with you. I think at this point- To our representatives, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, uh, the administration needs to come through and say, Hey, let's roll back the picture thing because this has become a thing and people need to see what's going on there, but, or blur I, out faces, but I th- yeah, blur out. F- I think what's an important point is though, when we hear, uh, you're not allowed to take pictures in these facilities, we automatically assume that people are running around barefoot in their own filth and they don't want us to see it and stuff. Mm-hmm. No, sometimes there's a valid, you know, it's like the two week policy. Sometimes there's a valid reason behind the two week policy pump breaks, calm down. Let's find out. Right. You know what I mean? And Address
0: the policy if it's poor.
1: And we don't do that at all. And I mean, you like, you can see it all over social media. I mean, it's, it's just everybody's running nonstop and, and the social media, this is where, this is
0: where things really get, get problematic for me. Um, you know, in light of these pictures and, and the media running these crazy headlines about ripping families apart, um, you know, we went from zero to a hundred real quick about an issue that's been bubbling under the surface for decades and decades. Right. You know, suddenly, whoa, we want to get real mad about it (laughs) right now. Yeah. And in that, in that hustle and bustle, it became real clear to me that most of the people who were like commenting and sharing and posting, um, didn't really understand exactly what had what had changed about the situation. Well, fancy that, <laughs> uh, right? So, did Trump create an order that uh, separated families off the top? Yeah. Um. You know, what was the legal basis for the separation? What exactly was the change that that people were so mad about? And when I dug into it personally, which it took some time, it took yeah, some effort, yeah. took a couple hours of of digging um, to really get the whole picture. But I realized that it was Sessions that signed a memo of zero tolerance prosecution for all border crossings, um, which in turn meant that families were separated per existing policy. Right. Um, You know, previously they wouldn't be separated because if you showed up with a kid in tow, you got a free pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, The difference between Trump institutes a policy that rips families apart and Sessions signs a zero tolerance policy for prosecuting illegal border crossings is
1: is minute. In a, in a sense, but it's actually huge because if you go at one, then you leave open uh, all these these weird mischaracterizations of speech. So like you know when when he says this, when Sessions says uh, you know we don't have a choice but to do this, he's already got it assumed in his head that zero tolerance needs to stay in place. That's and when right. You say you're choosing to do this, he can fall back and say, no, it's out of my it, hands. It lets Homeland Florence.
0: Secretary um, uh, Christian, I don't know how to pronounce that. Is it Christian Nielsen? Yeah, we'll go with um, Nielsen. To say, we do not have a policy of separating families at the border, period. And it's and it's somewhat truthful, yeah. right? Because we don't have a policy of separating families yeah. at the border. First off, if you cross legally, you're not separated. Right. Um, so, pff,
1: no, yeah, we absolutely. Off the
0: top right there. We have a policy of prosecuting illegal
1: border crossings yeah. with zero tolerance. We have a policy that leads to family separation, but at no point did we institute a policy That's of right. family separation. And it's separation. a small
0: distinction, but it's super, super important. It, well, um, it's
1: one that blows up. It blows up social media. It blows up the discussion between you or I on the street. That's right. Because and now we have two different versions of truth. You and know? and
0: that's the key. You know, the, the media ran these headlines to fuel outrage, uh, to get clicks and shares, to get ad traffic mm-hmm. and, and to drive votes for the Democratic Party. Don't think for a second that that wasn't part of how they ran this. Yeah. Um, but it left us asking the wrong damn question. If, if media had run headlines, Session Implements Zero Tolerance for Prosecutions, mm-hmm. we could ask him to roll that back yeah. and get back to a place that was at least somewhat acceptable
1: while we try to fix the issue. You know, instead. Yeah. Well, <sighs> never. I, th- I think uh, to your point, never let it get tossed to the side. So I think initially, uh, you know, when it first broke, we were talking about zero tolerance. Right. But then, you know, the Jeff Merkley thing happens. The pictures happen And now, like you said, the headlines are we're separating families. We're separating families. That creates a gray area that doesn't need to exist. A gray area that can be easily illuminated. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. We we talked about some tedious stuff, and we've done a lot of research for this episode. But if you are holding sessions, or if you are holding the zero tolerance policy at the forefront of the entire conversation, then the it it snaps into place. The picture becomes clear. That's right. It's not this murkiness.
0: and, And and part of me understands the need to capture public urgency. I mean, I think sessions implements zero tolerance policy for prosecuting border crossings is boring. Right. Yeah. So, so at some point you, you need to draw people in, but that comes at a cost. It does. And that's all I'm getting at here is that comes at it at a cost. Well, no, I, and I
1: think that cost is people, you know, like we said, bring now people are unleashed. We're, we're lashing out about the two week uh, visiting policy. We're lashing out about the no pictures policy. We're, we're lashing out about all these things uh, you know, are injustices happening at this facility or are they ha- not happening over here? I think, you know, honestly, to tell you my, my view of the facilities and stuff is that it's probably like the VA. You know, if you if you go to one VA hospital over here, it's a complete shithole. Nobody can get served. Mm-hmm. If you go to another VA hospital over here, people are doing fine. They're getting the health care that they need and stuff. But you can't when when Trump is ripping families apart and it's a Nazi tactic. And and all this evil stuff is going to happen if we don't stop it tomorrow. You can't step back and get a nuanced picture of the situation. I like
0: think that. you also by by allowing by attacking that straw man um, mm-hmm. of family separation, you allow your enemy. And I'm talking to to people who think the Trump regime is is fascist and needs to needs to come down. You're allowing your enemy and their
1: supporters to latch on to that little bit of plausible de- deniability. Oh, and in which he has tenfold, because make no mistake, Trump has done nothing to help the clarity around this issue. In fact, <laughs> Trump, Trump was quoted on June 15th as saying, uh, I hate the children being taken away. The Democrats have to change their law that's their law. The and
0: lie detector determined that that was a lie. That is an
1: outright lie. There is no law that the Democrats or anyone else pass that mandates family separation. It's a confluence of this Trump policy in the Flores case. There is no law that says we separate children. You have to separate children. It's if you do this and if this condition is met, this will happen, you know, yada, yada. So Trump and the admin, because it's not just him. I mean, Huckabee Sanders has said, you know, like basically implied that it's a Democrat law says, you know, everybody's like, our hands are tied, you know, and, and they're, they're acting like it's just completely out of their control and stuff. And then repeating that over and over is just ludicrous. And I don't care how you want to look at it. Do you want to look at it as, is? you know, 40 chess, like I said earlier that he's trying to, <laughs> he's trying to leverage Congress and stuff. Well, it's not going to work. Uh, is it him trying to hide this terrible policy and just obscure it from everybody that that's what they're, it's not going to work. This is just a ludicrous attempt to lie lot of people and inject uncertainty into the conversation and let let the cards fall where they may come midterms. Cause don't believe for a second that midterms isn't all over this issue from every angle, from no the kidding. Democratic angle, from the Republican angle. This is all about midterms.
0: Yeah, it's all it's all about politics. Yeah. Um, so that's why I find it real hard to latch on to the the family separation thing as if it's really, you know, the core issue. I know that's mm. it's an issue, and that is the to me, that's the core issue. Yeah. And that's what the focus should be. But When we look at how the parties are behaving, Mm -hmm. that becomes abundantly clear. That's not what's happening, especially if we if we take a narrow focus and we look at Congress and and Congress's reaction uh, to what happened here.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. So uh, Congress basically in that that uh, last week um, offered up four bills, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Feinstein, uh, D- Diane Feinstein, a Democrat, uh, she had a bill, Ted Cruz, a Republican had a bill. Uh, there was a bill floating around in the house of representatives that was, you know, real hard line had, you know, funding for the wall funding in it and everything. for the using but, this shit as leverage for the wall. Is but gross. the problem was even Ted Cruz and Diane Feinstein who, who said, you know, Hey, we're just trying to get a bill passed. That's going to mainly stop these families from being separated. There's junk in their bill too.
0: Yeah, I, I liked Feinstein's bill. Seemed like it cemented policies that already existed that were good policies for for protecting kids. Um, it did prevent the separation. It did nothing to uh, address Sessions' zero tolerance policy, mm-hmm. and did nothing to address the Flores decision, right. which are the two linchpins in this in this situation. It also yeah. included ambiguous amounts of training and spending on the training. Yeah. Like yeah. why? I mean, yeah. I get it. You care about the kids and you want these people to treat them well, but we haven't even crossed that bridge
1: yet. Yeah.
0: Let's cross the first bridge first.
1: Well, and then Ted Cruz, uh, God, his bill had what is probably the most, uh, I guess we'll say ambitious, idea for setting up those like factory courts that I was talking about. I actually kind of liked that. He wanted to hire,
0: he wanted to hire more judges and process people faster so that they could come to legal crossings more easily yeah. and disincentivize the, the illegal traffic it's, it's
1: not a bad idea, but the idea, like his bill standing alone, like the idea that simply by speeding up the, or that we can speed up the asylum process. <laughs> it also that way. doesn't
0: address Sessions' zero tolerance policy right. and doesn't
1: right. address the Flores decision. Right. And then, and then again, that, that house of representatives bill, that was really, that is a version of the comprehensive immigration bill that Congress has, you know, been trying to pass for quite some time. It's got the wall funding in there. It's got DACA stuff in there. And this is something that they haven't been able to agree on for months. So why would they be able to agree on it in a week? Yeah, in a week. I mean, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And I I truly feel like if you want to get shit done, get shit done. There's a common ground there. But you guys are trying to you're trying to push for political plays and you're trying to push for your little gain on your wall and you're trying to push for your little your little programs and your are yeah. spending over here. Like, no, Republicans don't like that shit. And no, Democrats don't want the wall. Yeah. Stop putting that in the way of families. Yeah, no, that's if you care about
1: saving families, stop putting this unrelated shit in the way. That's what makes this really interesting is the way that Congress has kind of thrown their hands up. Uh, so there was a quote, uh, Chuck Schumer is the minority leader in the Senate. And there was a quote, uh, he said, uh, uh re- I'm sorry, reading from a Vox article. It says Democrats had one message on Tuesday, president Trump created the family separation crisis, and he's the only one who can reverse the decision. Chuck Ooh. Schumer, Chuck Schumer said, quote, the president alone can fix this with a flick of a pen by signing a presidential order to end the agonizing screams of small children who have been separated from their parents. Dark clouds of Mordor. (laughs) Yeah. But, but look at what Chuck's doing there. Chuck is saying, here's this awful Uh, You know agonizing pain that these children are in and and the broader left is is also again making the argument that trump is a nazi trump is putting children in concentration camps but we can't stop it we're powerless but there's nothing congress Congress can
0: do powerless to stop it yes it's it's all up to the dictator to stop.
1: Give me a break. All Congress has to do, right? If all these voices on the right, all these Republican senators and all these representatives who have come out and said, hey, you know, we want to fix the immigration thing, but we do not uh, support child separation, family separation. And the Democrats obviously don't support family separation. Literally, all they have to do is pass a damn bill that says that we can't separate families. right? And this this statement from Schumer
0: came uh, after bipartisan support. Yeah. On, a, on a family separation
1: bill yeah no and I mean, he was they, putting the brakes on yeah. the on the support of the bill right yeah exactly I mean they, they, there were people out there who were who were advocating to just slap a bill together like that they were like you know Cruz come with his stuff and you know they come with all that and they were like hey let's just put a simple bill together actually there was a Republican congressman who uh to give you you know a precedent uh who right at the beginning of the the congressional term last year, Made it, had a one sentence bill that says we repeal Obamacare. Like, it's not (laughs) like, you know, it didn't go anywhere, but, but it's not like, but it can be that that. simple, right? You could, you could, you could do this with two things. You could codify Flores, which says that you have to release children after 20 days. And you could also uh, put in the same bill that we do not separate families. If you do that, then you have catch and release. Right. And you can say, "Hey, we're gonna we're going to figure out this immigration thing, but right now we have to stop the administration from you know doing the, separating these families and stuff. So we're gonna codify Flores, make it an actual law, and then we're you know we're gonna do and, this. And with do the you separation. think a
0: Republican Congress is gonna come across the aisle for that without law I think,
1: funding? <laughs> I would love to see all those Republicans get up and make the case." That they cannot support that bill to simply stop families being separated. Yeah, and
0: I, I mean, you saw you saw thirteen senators come out and write a letter um, that said they want the the practice of separating families immediately ceased. Yeah, yeah. And, and so and for them to give turn us around, time, go ahead and do that, Trump. These are Republicans asking the Republican Party, yeah. to come over to the Democratic side. That's thirteen
1: of them. You got yeah. a pretty
0: good shot at getting those thirteen to sign on. No, absolutely, at
1: the very least. And what you have to do is you have to get to sixty votes in the Senate so that you can override a veto, right? You have to get to two thirds or whatever. And, and I don't think that it was not achievable, but Schumer, we're not even going to try. It's, it's on Trump, right? This is Trump's baby. I'm not saying he's not responsible for it, but for you to act like in this country, the executive completely just steamrolls Congress well then, I mean, I hope he's not a Nazi, right? I hope we're not on the road <laughs> the, to fascism because right. well, you're
0: not going to stop him. Yeah, you're, you're putting down the only weapon you have as a check and a balance to the executive power. And I think, I think a lot of this is is a result of of confusion among citizens about how this stuff actually works. Yeah, you know, I I don't think that most of the Democratic constituency thinks about executive power when Chuck Schumer is saying this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think that's on their mind. Yeah. And you know, whether that's failing schools or, you well, know, no, I, I don't know
1: what but. Congress has tricked us into thinking. It's a very complicated thing that, you know, like the, the passing bills takes, you know, all this stuff. It's got to be 10,000 pages long and it's got to have all these coats. No, dude, Congress can pass a law that says Monday is Friday if they want to, you know what I mean? They're, they're more than welcome to do it. Now you get to have some court challenges, stuff like that. We're not going to get into that right now, as much as I love the court. But, uh, yeah, Congress is really the driving force for lawmaking in this country. I mean, they are the engine that creates our laws. So if they can't do it, then, my God, who else? And that's what we need to be looking at. I mean, I think that, again, this, this situation exposes so many things. And one of those things is how, how we've let them completely pull the wool over our, our eyes to the point where we think that things that are their job aren't even their job. Right. And, and
0: consolidate power on the executive even more and even more. Well, thank goodness the
1: executive has more power because now Trump has fixed everything by issuing an executive order. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I think to me, this is the
0: reason, um, this illustrates, you know, why I said attacking the family separation thing is a bad idea because Mm -hmm. I think we're a lot worse off with this executive order. Yeah. Um, You know, the EO pretty much goes back to catch and release like it was under Obama. But there are a few very, (laughs) very important caveats. First, it's ambiguous. So people are saying, "Eh, maybe he can do this. Maybe he can do that. But the way I see it, um, zero tolerance uh, for border prosecutions still stands still in effect. Uh, when families are released after 20 days per the Flores decision now they're being detained together mm-hmm. um, their parents are still facing criminal charges right which does weigh into their asylum hearing yeah you are much less likely to be granted asylum when you've got pending or or you know actual criminal charges yeah yeah um and they could still according to this law be separated after that 20
1: days oh no abs- absolutely the, the interesting thing about the executive order is is it either does everything or it does nothing. It's worded so crappily and so ambiguously. Um, so the order says kind of that the administration is is uh, going to treat the family unit as a family unit. They're not going to split them apart anymore. Uh, it says to the full extent of the law. Well, in 20 days, those kids have to be released. Nowhere in that executive order does it necessarily say, that the the, parents are released with them. Yeah. That the parents are released with them and that they're not going to separate them. Now you can make the case that, I mean, when Trump signed the executive order, he's saying, you know, we're not separating families. So I think if he, then if 20 days after this executive order was issued, he starts separating families again. I think it's done. It's over blue wave for the midterm impeachment proceedings begin. Like that would be the ballsiest of ballsy moves. And it's Trump. Maybe he does it. Well, maybe he does it. The other thing that
0: executive order set up though was, um, in order to challenge the Flores decision, yeah, yeah, so so what this is also opening the doors for, and and why you see the headlines running indefinite detention, this, that, and the other, right. is because if if they adjust the consent decree, yeah. and bypass that twenty days, then now you are setting up a situation where the family is detained together, pending the criminal charges, which could yeah. take a year, yeah, yeah, or even so, the asylum hearing. Which so now take two you're years. holding these kids with their parents. Right. In a temporary detainment yeah, facility for up to a year, and clearly, or two.
1: and clearly, with the way everything stands, this is what the Trump administration wants at this point. Because also in the executive order, they've asked the Department of Defense and various other agencies to basically start cobbling together all the the detention areas that they can put together. Right now, you know, a, a, and
0: and funding and and approved. I can't believe Republicans get behind the shit because approved funding and spending for creating the
1: facilities. Well that's uh, with
0: no oversight as far as I can well, tell. Well, that's
1: just his executive order. Like no nobody necessarily got behind it. You know what I mean? He's just it, that that would be the same as creating uh temporary tent cities in the wake of a hurricane. Right. You, you still know, gotta he, spend he, the money he, to yeah, do it. Well, I mean you have to spend the money, but it, we're not talking about it wasn't like the GOP was like, Hell yeah, let's spend some money, is all I'm saying. So, but um but no, it, it is. It's paving the way to be able to hold families indefinitely. And all of a sudden uh or Immediately, the left is still up in arms. They're like, hey, well, you know, the fight's not over. Well, that raises a very interesting question, right? Because now we have to kind of stand back and and like look at what the, the broad argument is. The broad argument is we cannot separate the families, but we cannot detain them together. Uh, looking around the left, we've seen, uh, you know, someone like uh, Cynthia Nixon, who's a former Sex and the City actress. I guess we're not done electing celebrities. She's running for mayor in New York City. Oh, you don't say! But uh, anyway, she uh, is calling for the abolition of ICE and not taking, you know, not reinstituting any other agency to do what ICE does. And that's the enforcement agency in charge inside the borders. So
0: when we do release people and they do not show back up for their hearing, yeah ice is the uh, ice are the people who would go nab them. So essentially I see what you're getting at here. You're, you're essentially saying, well, left, what do you want? Right. You don't none of the ways
1: we can enforce the border currently work for you. They're saying, they're saying that we shouldn't charge people who, who ask for asylum. They're saying that they should not be charged criminally. So if you ask for asylum, you can get into the country. Once you're here, we don't want ice to go find you. Oh, and by the way, we're also arguing for amnesty for everybody who's already here. <clears throat> sanctuary cities. Uh, we have sanctuary cities to help people who are already here hide from the federal government. It
0: sounds a lot like
1: open borders. That just, sounds like open borders to me. Just sly, sneaky out of the corner of your mouth. Well, no, it's actually, it's worse because if it was open borders, we could have an open conversation about it and debate the merits of open borders. But that's, that's not what we're doing at all. Instead, we're just going to obstruct and oppose... All these various measures with which we would enforce immigration law and say, oh, no, we want to keep the borders safe, too, while practically, in effect, advocating for open borders. I think one of one of the interesting things that I saw this week is Keith Ellison, who is the vice chairman of the DNC and and a a large swath of uh, Democrats were upset that he's not the chairman of the DNC. Uh, was uh, spotted at a protest wearing a shirt that says, I don't believe in borders. <laughs> <laughs> Democrats, you want open borders. Like just, I, I would respect I you so much more. I wouldn't say
0: Democrats, you want open borders. Because I, I feel like you're addressing that to the voters. Yeah. I'd say Democratic Party officials, yeah. you want open borders. And Democrat voters... Please understand what your party is fighting for, yeah. so you can decide whether you actually right. agree with them or not, instead of buying into the outrage machine.
1: No, no, you're right, and thanks, and thanks for holding me to that. I, and in fact, to illustrate that, uh, I saw an article the other day that said the new way for progressives to indicate that you know, because in the Democratic Party you have you have a difference. You have the old school Democrats and then the Keith Ellison. Uh, Kamala Harris, Cynthia Nixon, progressive wing of Democrats. And they're saying the way to indicate that you're a progressive Democrat is by calling for the abolition of vice. Uh-huh. So it is a segment of the Democratic Party. But I would argue, kind of like I talked about last episode, it's a bigger segment. You know, it's, it's like telling me, oh, it's just college kids. Oh, it's just a <laughs> it's just a few kooky Democrats. No, dude, it's the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee. So we just opened up a whole can of worms with open borders at the very end of this
0: episode. I know you guys got to be wondering, like, where do we go from here? Well, uh, in the course of 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 researching and learning about immigration, which for me, I was totally unclear on. um, We realized there's there's way too much here for one episode. So uh, we're actually preparing another episode on the open borders discussion. Right. uh, Because I think that's the discussion we ought to be having when it Mm -hmm. comes to immigration. Like that's really the two ideas that are at odds here are enforcing immigration laws or opening the borders and, 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 you know, loosening immigration laws. So, uh, we've got an episode coming for you very soon.
1: Um, that is the sneak disc conversation that we've been having about immigration for about 30 years. And since in theory, folks are going to drag it to the forefront and actually have that conversation. That's right. And that's what we should be doing in all of these matters. If you see your candidates or, or your party and they're, you know, they're not representing what you actually think or what you actually feel, call them out. And in your own, in your own interactions with other people, if your party is pushing for open borders, don't call it. Some, don't you don't have to apologize for them. You do not have to apologize for them. So just stop. And and the same thing is true. On the right, there are times I will tell you right now where the right wants unfettered access to many guns for seven-year-old children, <laughs> and I will make no bones about it that some on the or right or they want
0: to roll back very important environmental regulations, absolutely. to to increase profits. And
1: so I'm not I'm not going to sit there and apologize for them, and be like, no, that's not that's not really what they meant. They just they just want to enforce this this way so that that's what they want to call a duck a duck. And and be and because it's the only way that we can have an honest and clear conversation. And uh, if there's
0: anything we're after here on the Sense and Theory podcast, it's an honest and clear conversation. Uh, I'd like to invite you guys to join that conversation. Come check out the subreddit, r slash uh, and Theory podcast. Hit us up at Twitter at Sense Theory pod. Give us a shout on the Gmail Sense and Theory podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Although I will say that inbox is getting a little bit cluttered from the emails from (laughs) Theory's mom.
1: Uh, Oh, I'd like to see some some other people giving us some feedback. I'm just saying. Oh, geez, man. Thanks. Uh, But yeah, guys, uh, you know, it was a great show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And we will see you next week. What do you mean? We'll see you next week, man. We talked about
0: this last week. No, we're doing the Taylor Swift thing every single week episode all right fine what's your what's your taylor swift thing
1: that 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 was the taylor swift thing oh jesus man just hit the music
2: whoa whoa there buddies what are you guys trying to pull oh yeah big fan of fact checking huh sense you love criticism And now here you are shutting down my fact-checking segment and instituting a policy of beansless shows?
0: I would like to state unequivocally for the record that we here on the Sense and Theory podcast do not have a policy of beansless shows.
1: Yeah, we instituted a policy of doing the Taylor Swift thing earlier. By law, we have to end the show after Taylor Swift.
2: This is bullshit.
1: (laughs) It's It's a democratic policy, man. Ask them about their barbaric law.
2: Oh, and I'm supposed to believe you, Theory? You're running around the show, still butchering people's positions like some kind of official title serial killer. Cynthia Nixon is running for governor in New York, not mayor. And the made-up and toothless consolation prize they gave Keith Ellison at the DNC is deputy chair, not vice chair. You fellas are losing it if you think you can roll this burrito beans free. Who's going to call theory out for saying in absentia rates and asylum cases to flip-flop? when they've been a consistent 40% for the last three years. And who's going to call attention to all the facts y'all leave out? You didn't even spend a minute talking about the corporation who owns the very same private prison that houses detainees donating to GOP politicians. Oh, I see what's going on here. Soft on money and interest. Senses repeated shilling in other episodes, soulless policies, and technical doublespeak. Since they're here going corporate, y'all, how else could you explain attempting to line your own pockets while coasting this show on the sweat of my brow, and now you're just going to toss me aside when it's convenient? Well, you fellas do whatever you think is best, but I won't stand for it. You're going to find out that big business is bad beansness. Taylor Swift sucks. Play the damn song. is world-class producer and fact checker extraordinaire beanso of the sense and theory podcast i want to thank you all for suffering through each show to hear the righteous takedowns i drop on the fellas please go like and review us on itunes it'll mean a lot to the guys but more importantly it'll help keep your old buddy Beanzo on the air there's links to all our social media in the description, and feel free and tell the fellas how wrong they were at Sense and Theory Podcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week to hear Sense and Theory get all up in their feels when I burn all their hard work down again. so out.